Poker Tov. You ready? Yes. We are ready. We are beginning the book of Devarim. No, we finish the Torah. No, no, no. We, yeah, we, we're I, good. I, we're good. We're good. Okay. Right. That was a tough Haftarah. I, I, I summarize. We skimmed the end of the Haftarah. All the Adams here. <laughs> we skimmed the end of the Haftarah to, to conclude it. Um, no idea. Electric bikes. Oi. That hurts. Those electric bikes. So. To, to summarize what we've done so far in the Torah. Is it, no, it's important to, to understand where we are in the Torah, okay? Bereshit was the story of forming the family, forming the family of Abraham Avinu. Because the beginning of, the, of Bereshit spoke about the problems that are innate to humanity and how Abraham Avinu was going to be the solution to the, those problems of humanity. But in order to be effective, Abraham, his he needs to develop into a family where he has to prove that he can teach his Torah to the family as the Pasuk says right? so if Abraham has to be able to teach his family the, uh, the ways of the Torah and he succeeds in doing so because by the end of the book he has 12 sons 12 tribes Yaakov has 12 sons 12 tribes that are although they're living in Egypt they are they are a family that are following that are united and are uh, separate from the Mitzrim okay separate now from the world you know? yeah yeah so now Shemot begins and they are we find them we find them to be enslaved into, they have to change into a they nation. have to turn into a nation so Boreolam puts them through their difficulty causes them to unite in their shared difficulty which is a very common thing in nation building and uh, that's the topic of Shemot is the, is, the, is the becoming a nation through difficulty then becoming a nation through a shared law which is in the middle of Shemot and then finally the building of the Mishkan which is the place the central place in which they will experience Kedusha now Kedusha is the topic of the end of Shemot and all of Aikra okay and the, the idea behind Kedusha is putting God at the center of your reality. When you understand that Borei Olam is the center of your reality, then it affects all of your behaviors, not only your ritual behavior like your korbanot, but also as we saw in the book of, in the parashah of Kedoshim, it affects even your behavior towards you other people. And we said that Avodah Zarah is worship of the self. Avodah Zarah more than anything is worship of the self. It's, it's the idea that my will is more important than the will of any other creature or any other god. <laughs> and therefore, I will do as I please. And then the, the typical form of Abu Dazara would be to serve multiple gods, which in a sense means you're serving no gods. Yes, because you can just do whatever you want. You go to the one that you want. You go to the one that you want, exactly. Now, that was the content, that was the book of, of uh, Vaikra. And what's interesting is that of the five books of the Torah, Vaikra is in the middle, which kind of shows you that the, the central, the, the foundation for the Jewish life or for the Torah ideology is the book of Vaikra. That book was super important. It's, the founda- it's, the, it's like the pillar on which the Jewish ideology stands. Now, Bimidbar was the most difficult book probably because unlike the other books in which it was pretty consistent, either it was storyline or in the case of Vaikra, it was... It was uh, it was all legal and and you know law based. 
Bemidbar was a combination. Bemidbar had some laws and had some and many so stories. So many korbanots. Okay, but so now let's talk about the narrative portion of Bemidbar. What was the idea of the narrative? Por- if you were to summarize, from the I think of the people. In- that left Egypt to the people Right, exactly. Okay, the book of Bemidbar was a book of, of preparation to enter the land of Israel. Okay, so if let's say we didn't see much of that in Shemot. Why? Because in Shemot, in Shemot, first of all, the idea is that we're going to go into Israel immediately. That it's, it's taken for granted that Bnei Israel are ready to go into the land of Israel. So Shemot, we don't have that. Okay. So, um, but in Bemidbar, we start to see there are, two, there are two phases in the book of Bemidbar. The first is year two of them being in the desert, in which we could compare their behavior to year one prior to the Torah. Okay, so in, in year two, after they get the Torah, whenever they complain, it becomes a lot bigger deal. And Moshe cries a lot more, and Moshe gets a lot more exasperated. And that is because... He expects them to be better. Sure. And it slowly, slowly dawns on Moshe Rabbeinu throughout the course of the first half of the Midbar that Bnei Israel, even after receiving the Torah, are not ready to enter the land. Now, the second half of the Midbar in the narrative section close to entering Israel again. jumps 40 years 40 and goes years. to as we are entering the land of Israel and we see a lot of positive signs with Bnei Israel. That they're fighting wars on their own. That Moshe Rabbeinu is slowly receding from the picture. They're and on their own. They're, they're, directly. Directly they're playing directly to God. Exactly, they're praying directly to God. But we also saw that there are still potential pitfalls. The same pitfalls that we're going to see in the book of Shofetim. And that is that when they settle, let's say when they settled in the areas of Sichon and Og. And they are next to the Goim they will still have the potential pitfall of giving into the Abu Dazara of the surrounding nations. So that was something we also saw. That despite the fact that they are now ready to go into the land of Israel, which we're slowly beginning to see, they are also not perfect. And they have the potential, like with the Binot Moav and the Binot Midian, to give into their temptations when they are settled in and around the Canaanite nations. That was a foreshadowing for the kinds of sins they're going to be doing in the future. So, so well, already we see a hint of it. it's a very realistic book, you know. Even by the end of it, Bnei Israel, the reality of Bnei Israel, right? Meaning we, we just see a hint of it, right? When they were, asking, we the they were asking to stay with our with our cattle on this side, already it was more of a, starting to become materialistic. That's a, that could be another issue, right? That they that we see signs like of materialism. We don't leave our businesses here to go to Israel. Yeah, yeah. We are living in a conference zone. Okay, next, uh, and that was in, in terms of Bnei Israel and, and the Book of Bemidbar. Now, in terms of the legal sections of the Book of Bemidbar, they are located in the middle of all the stories. And we typically try to tie that, the legal section to the story in some way. It wasn't always easy, but you could attempt to do it. Another, an, another opinion is that the reason these legal sections are brought here is because that's when Moshe Rabbeinu taught it to Bnei Israel. Okay, so Moshe Rabbeinu gets everything at Har Sinai, but they don't, they're learning the Torah throughout the 40 years in the desert. And this so, is the end of the... And, and as they're experiencing these stories, these laws were taught at that time also, which is why the story is interlaced with some of these legal sections. 
But that's all up for Machloket, and it's not exactly clear. There are different opinions on when Bnei Israel learned all of the Torah. Some say, I think it was... I think that's the most common opinion, that they got the... That Moshe Rabbeinu got everything at Har Sinai. They learned a lot, like Parshat Mishpatim, by the mountain. They learned a lot by the mountain, but then over the course of time, they would get more and more uh, things. They learn more and more. The book of Bimidbar ended with the love. Actually, it's not even get there yet. Um, in, in terms of Moshe Rabbeinu and Aharon, we also saw interesting things in the book of Bimidbar. We saw the death of Aharon, which was kind of a beautiful thing, because he got to see. The, the, his son take his place Now Yeah and, and the son that took his place was Al-Azhar Okay We also see the success of Aaron's grandson Pinachas But surprisingly Pinachas does not end up being the general Who will lead Bnei Israel into Israel It is actually Yehoshua Who's going to do that Which was another irony of the book of Bimidbar That Moshe Rabbeinu's sons do not follow after him A very common thing In the books of the Tanakh both Eli HaKohen, his sons in the book of Shemuel, do not follow his path. Shemuel Hanavi, his sons do not follow in his path. And Moshe Rabbeinu, his sons also... And then, and then we have evidence from the end of the book of Shofetim that the grandson of Moshe Rabbeinu ended up being a, a fake Levi in an Abu Dazara temple. So, so that's from the book of Pesel Micha. Okay? From the story of Pesel Micha. Okay? So... Now Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't go into Israel and Yoshua is the one who's going to take the Jews into Israel. And so we conclude Bamidbar after having learned basically after having formed the nation and we have our leader that's going to take us into Israel. We are now standing at the very, very edge and we are ready to enter the land. The final, final section of the book of Bamidbar is a passionate request from the people of Menashe to Moshe Rabbeinu, asking them that they could keep their land uh, despite the fact that Silofchad's daughters are going to be inheriting. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, indeed, you could keep your land. He, he requests Silofchad's daughter to, daughters to marry within the tribe, thereby maintaining the land in that tribe. And that, we said, could potentially be a nice ending to the book of Bimidbar because it shows the love that the Jewish people have for the land of Israel, which is a welcome, uh, you know, it's, it's a welcome uh, differentiator compared to their complaining of the Miragalim, the of the Tarim, at the beginning uh, 38 years prior. Okay? And so we, we end the book on a feeling of joy and excitement for entering the land. And now we begin the book of Devarim, which barely has storyline. It's more similar to Vaikra because it takes place in a very, very short amount of time. It is in the final months of Moshe Rabbeinu's life. And it is the final words that Moshe Rabbeinu gives to the Jewish people. It was three continuous speeches. Uh, um, the, the speeches that Moshe Rabbeinu gives are going to include rebuke for sins. He's going, in the first speech that we're going to read, he's going to recount all of Bnei Israel's history and how they came to this place and how, how difficult they were to manage. Um, now, what's, what's very interesting is that this book is from Moshe's perspective. This book is unlike other books where you see by the Ber Adonai Moshe Lemor, where there is a lot of third, there's a narrator talking about what Bore Olam is saying to Moshe. In Devarim, the narrator is Moshe himself. So we're getting the words that Moshe, the exact words, the dialogue that Moshe said to Bnei Israel. And 
it's beautiful. It's it's it's, it's it's a it's a different. Yeah, it's 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 a very different book, by the way. The psukim are longer than in the other books of the Torah. Um, they're more poetic in general. Some of the most famous psukim of Musar come from Devarim. Um, so the book is broken up into into about three or four sections, depending on how you break it up. There are three discourses. There are three speeches. And then there's the closing things in which Moshe Rabbeinu gives his final birachot and the, the shirat ha'azinu and the death of Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay? Um, the, the, what's interesting about the book is that it has rebuke section at the beginning, which was obvious because Moshe Rabbeinu was preparing them to go into the land of Israel. But then the second discourse is a review of mitzvot. Now that's where the questions arise. Because the question is, there are two questions with those mitzvot. The questions are going to be, there are some mitzvot that are brought new for the first time, which are surprising because this seems to be a review. So why didn't we learn about these mitzvot earlier? And then there are some mitzvot that are going to be repeated. So we have to know why those specifically are repeated. Also, another question with the book of Devarim in the first section is, there are modifications in the way the story or the history of Bnei Israel is told back to Bnei Israel. Okay? Like, whenever we read the stories in Bemidbar, the story of the Tarim, it's going to be different than the way Moshe Rabbeinu is going to say it to Bnei Israel. Okay? But, but in terms of the, the mitzvah section, it seems like the opinion of the Ramban is that these are the mitzvot that were most relevant for Bnei Israel to enter the land of Israel. Okay? Uh, the mitzvot that are new, that we're going to see new, are ones that seem to only apply in the land of Israel, so there's no reason to teach them in the desert. And then the ones that are repeated are the ones that Moshe Rabbeinu really wants to stress as they enter the land of Israel as well. Okay, so we're going to be analyzing from, the, from that perspective as well. We'll analyze why the, these mitzvot are taught specifically. We're going to be paying a lot of attention to uh, Moshe's storytelling and how it compares to the previous time he told uh, we heard the stories and why Moshe would tell the stories this way back to Bnei Israel. Overall, Moshe Rabbeinu's speech here has a goal. And that goal is to prepare, to prepare Bnei Israel mentally and uh, in terms of their knowledge to go into the land of Israel properly. Okay? So that was a long introduction to the book. But uh, I think it was necessary. Alright. First Pasuk of Devarim is one of the most cryptic Pasukim in the Torah. It says, These are the words that Moshe spoke to the children of Israel beyond the Jordan, in the wilderness, in the Arava, over against Suf, between Paran and Tophel, and Lavan, and Chatserot, and Dizahav. So it seems to be giving, this pasuk, giving an exact location for where Moshe Rabbeinu gave his speech. Yes. Now the problem is we don't know where these places are. And it's very curious that it's giving so many details, details for where the location is. Um, so what the Chachamim do, because it's, it's kind of hard to figure out where this is. What Rashi does is he interprets this pasuk, actually the entire pasuk as Midrash where he explains that every single word here represents a stage in Bnei Israel's being in the wilderness when they sinned. So for example, what would be Dizahav? That would be the Cheta Egel. What would be, um, what would be, let's see. Uh, I think Paran was Cheta Meragilim. Let's see. No? 
Here, what would be Lavan? Lavan v'chatserot. What would be Lavan? Lavan would be concerning the complaining about the man, which is white. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, so I'm not going to go in through through all of them. You could look in Rashi for all of those. Chatserot is machloket of Korah. Chatserot would be machloket of Korah. is like a separation, or like a separate area. Okay. So the first pasuk is very, very, very difficult. It seems to be saying where Moshe gave the speech, but according to the midrash, it's hinting to the to the sins of Bnei Israel that Moshe is now going to rebuke. Okay. From Chorev to Kadesh Barnea via the area of Seir is an 11 day journey. Okay? Uh, why do we have to know that? Because we are now in. Are we in Kadesh Barnea now? Probably. Yeah, that's, I think that's the idea. That's the whole idea. Now it's telling you. It's saying it's an 11 day journey that took. For them to get there. 40. I mean, no, it took. No, Choreb is Har Sinai. Oh, it took 40 years. 40 years. It's an 11 day journey. Oh, took 40 years. Years. Oh, wow. But he shana, and it was in the 40th year. Wow. Yeah, just imagine that we could have done this in 11 yeah, exactly. days, but it took you 40 years. Wow. What is left? And it was in the 40th year, in the 11th month, in the first of the month. What month does that become? Nisan. No, eleventh uh, month. Eleventh month is Elul. Shvat. Shvat. First month of first day of Shvat, because uh, Adar is the twelfth month, and then you have Nisan is month one. Yes, correct. Okay. Exactly as God commanded him to them. No. Eleventh month. Ashteh means 11. There are 12 months. The 12th month is going to be Adar. 11th month is Shabbat. So basically, it's a month before his death. Yeah. yeah. We're a month and seven days out. He's giving you... Now, because of this, we know that he's one month before his death. Yeah. Want to hear something interesting? What is Ashteh Asar? I just read this in this, uh, in this book here. It's very interesting though. What is, what is Ashteh Asar? I just said. It means 11. Now, what, is, what does the previous Pasuk say? Why doesn't it say Or So I read something very interesting Very interesting It's like a It's more of like an, It's like an academic point But they say In books That are not carefully edited You won't You won't have You won't know You, you will have Uniformity in terms of the usage of words So If let's say the book As was being passed down The Torah Everybody who Would have corrected it Everybody was wanted, Everybody added their own thing And corrected it You wouldn't have one this. pasuk That says Achadasa Or one pasuk that says Ashes wow. The reason for it I don't know It's for some deeper thing But the fact that We managed to keep Even the detail of The same number but we used the, we kept, we maintained the different usages of that it number. Was, it was, it was never, it was never. Edited. It shows that it was never edited. Wow. It shows that the, the maintain, they maintained the integrity of the integrity of the text was maintained entirely. Um, okay, I'm very late for Minyan, so let's. Uh, <laughs> last pasuk. When was the speech given? This was after them striking down Sichon, the king of the Amori, that was in Cheshbon, and all king of Bashan, Asher Yoshev Asher Bedrei, who was in Ashtarot, in Edrei, and where was this? Be'ebra Yaden Be'eretz Mo'av, 
This was on the eastern side of the Jordan River in the land of Moab. Moshe began to explain the Torah and he said. So tomorrow, Bezer Hashem, the, uh, we're going to begin the speech which starts from Pasuk 6. Or 7. Amen. 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 Amen